0: It's good to have fun in the house of the Lord, and I believe, I believe that the church is, is like a family, and uh, in family, we should have lots of fun. We should have laughter around the table, we should be doing things together that uh, are joyful and joyous, celebrate birthdays, special occasions, go places, do things, and just have a great time. You know, uh, God's will for our lives is not... The sadness and sorrow and unhappiness. God's will for our lives is that our joy might be full. Turn to somebody this morning and say, God's plan for you is that your joy would be full. (laughs) Hallelujah. And so uh, as I'm sharing on the subject of family this morning, for those of you who might not be... uh, you know, married. Or you're single. There's, there's going to be some things in this message for you, and this morning for you. Uh, we'll be dealing with areas that are very um, personable or personal to all of us, and so we will trust God to uh, work in all of our lives. Can you say Amen? <clears throat> I believe the the family is is so important. That's where. Uh, Life develops, that's where it's birthed, life develops there. And I believe that God has great plans for the family. God said in his word that his desire is that all families would be blessed. All the families of the earth would be blessed. And so we're looking for blessing, the blessing of God in families. I I just want to say before I get into this message this morning... Is that I so appreciated what Pastor, your Pastor, Pastor J.B. and Shar, shared. Sandra and I watch what's going on here because you know it's worthwhile watching. And I would I would suggest to you this morning if you ever miss a service, you know go go to YouTube and and find Thrive Church and listen to the messages. Uh, tremendous wisdom came forth. I thought this is this was some of the best. Sandra and I were sitting in. I hooked my iPad up to our television, and we were watching you in big screen style. And, uh, and uh, we thought, you know, this is some of the best teaching I've ever heard on family. Very, very practical. Give Pastor JB and Shar a great hand this morning. Come on now, give them a great hand. Yeah. Oh, man, a good little shout there. That's awesome. Uh, you know, there's, there's value. The value of strong marriages and family I mean, we can, it's hard to place value on that. <clears throat> In real life, this is where things are played out, at the home. And we spend time together as family, and, um, and that's where we play out our Christian life. We live out our lives. It, the family is, is, is what I would call the incubator for great life. And, and so it's important that the family be well and strong, and that we put high value on the family. It's a place for human and spiritual development. I'd like to uh, mark that this morning. It's the place for human and spiritual development. Turn to somebody and say that. The place for human and spiritual development. So we, we put high value. While we place high value... On good marriages and family, I want to say something this morning that's very important, and mark this. These are not more important than our relationship with God and building His kingdom in the earth. Family is high priority. However, our relationship with God is paramount. Because the Bible says, doesn't say, seek ye first the family. It says, seek ye first what? the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all the other stuff will come into place. So seeking the kingdom of God is so important in our lives. You being in church on Sunday is so important. If you seek God and you seek His kingdom, your family will do a lot better on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday every day of the week. And so it's uh, it's paramount that we we make that statement this morning. Nowhere in the Bible are we t- taught to put our children or family first. Now, this is, might, might be a little bit shaking to some of you in, in how, uh, how this affects your thinking, but God is to be number one. You know, uh, we, we often t- say, well, these are the priorities of my life. Now, family and husband and wife relationship and all of that has very high priority, but not higher than God. Every, everywhere in Scripture, we are t- taught to put God first. Put God first, and He will help us to be the best we can be. Can you say amen? amen. If God does not have first place, something or someone will take that place. You know, we, we, are, we are built in such a way in our lives, we've been created in such a way that we must have someone and something above ourselves that is important you know we are not the be all and the end all god is the be all and he is the end all and and if if he does not have first place if we don't worship god we will worship someone or something else you know some people say well you know being committed to a church it's just too much commitment but you know what? You know what happens when we're not committed to God and his house? Guess what? We'll be involved with some club. That'll become paramount in our lives. We'll serve that club. Or, you know, we'll be out, you know, playing golf on Sunday and when we should be in the house of God or involved with sports or whatever and God has no place. And, and we, we, we actually, without realizing it, we, we become slaves to those things. We're so committed to those things. I mean, we can't be late. Got to be there, you know, on time and early and all this kind of stuff. And yet, you know, when it comes to church, sometimes we just kind of drag in. Uh, It never happens here, I know. But uh, uh, I'm talking to some people in another city. But, uh, (laughs) you know, God needs to have first place. If we don't worship God, we'll worship someone or something else. And so let's be worshipers of God. Bible examples. I want to give you a few Bible exa- examples this morning where Abraham made it and where Lot missed it. Lot missed building the altar and was not known to call on the name of the Lord, and he lost it all in the end. He lost his family, he lost his wife. How many of you want your wife to turn into a pillar of salt? that's what happened to his wife <laughs> some of you might say well it was some days I think it'd be nice if that happened <laughs> because you're having an argument not because she deserves that <laughs> but anyway uh, he lot missed because he didn't build the altar and was not known to call on the name of the Lord but Abraham was blessed in all things Because he called on the name of the Lord. His focus and pursuit was God. When God put a call on Abraham's life, he then pursued God and he was following God. And the Bible says that he went out and he didn't know where he was going. But nevertheless, he did his best to follow God. And wow, he became the father of the faithful and his name is known around the world. And he sought God. His focus and pursuit was God, and Abraham, you know, made statements like this: "The Lord is my reward." He didn't say that my check or my my uh, earnings or my commissions are my reward. He said, "No, the Lord is my reward." So the pursuit of his life was the Lord. So very important that. We, uh, we we follow the biblical examples that are set before us. Bible examples of, of of Abraham. Further is for I know, I know that he will command his children and his household after him to do justice, so that the Lord may bring upon Abram all that which was spoken of him. So his passion was to know God, but his passion also was. To lead and command his children in the way of the Lord, uh, you know our lives are not just to end with us. We need to be thinking generationally. So we think the next generation. We think beyond where we are at in this in this present life and in this present world. And that's that was Abraham's vision was was to um, was to pass what he had on to the next generation. Another Bible example is Joshua, and Joshua 24, 15. And I think it's up there on the screen. Could we say that together? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Notice who it starts with. As for, say, say it loud. Me. As for me. You know, it needs to start with us. As for me, and then... For my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Sandra and I got married quite a few years ago, but i 'll never forget the one thing that we stated in our wedding reception. Uh, we gave a little little talk in our wedding reception in terms of our plans, the plans for our lives, and I remembered sandra 's dad was so gracious he uh, he Paid the bill for over 200 guests at our wedding, and we had a wonderful celebration, which we'll always remember. But I remember my wife and I standing up that night, and we made this statement, and I made this statement from Joshua 24:15. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and we sought to live up to that in our in our life, um, in weakness. We followed the Lord, we served the Lord, we're not perfect, but that was the undergirding statement of our life, our marriage, that as for us, we are going to serve God. That was the paramount thing. There's other Bible examples of Lois, Eunice, and Timothy. The Bible talks about the, the sincere faith of these who was manifest in Timothy He said the faith that is in you, Timothy, was in your mother and in your grandmother, and they all lived with faith and trust in God. I'm saying all of this this morning because I believe this is so important to family life. There's many nuts and bolts, many different pieces to building a good family, but at the foundation, there must be faith and that commitment to follow God and and to make Jesus Lord of everything that we do. We're going to leave an inheritance. The Bible says uh, a good person leaves an inheritance to their children's children. And I believe that an inheritance is not just things, but a great inheritance is faith. Leaving that example of faith. This means that we store up good things with purpose. Things to be cherished like faith. Faith. Honesty, prosperity, friendships, all those kinds of things that we can model in life. Now, the very best inheritance, the very best in every dimension of living for all time and eternity, I believe, is living by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, you know, we read of uh, Moses where he forsook Egypt, he forsook the world, and he chose to follow Christ and he followed Christ intently in his life, and he endured suffering even. He, he gave himself in such a way that he was so committed that he su- suffered, he forsook Egypt, He he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than the pleasures of Egypt. And we're still making those choices today. Are we going to just choose, uh, you know, pleasure in life, or are we going to... Forsake the world and are we going to follow Jesus Christ? Second Corinthians chapter four verses seventeen and eighteen talks about us not being involved with just this world. We, we don't look at the things which you know are are temporal, that are brief, that are fleeting, things just around us in this world, but we have an eternal view of. We look to the unseen. We look to the eternal because that's what really have has value. So we, we live for what really counts. Every family should be living in a way that counts for time and for eternity. 2 John 8, a question we ask from that portion of Scripture. talks about us getting full reward for our lives. Will what we have worked for endure? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 14-15 tells us that the things we do and the things we, uh, we value will be revealed by fire. In the end, everything that, that is not eternal will be burned up. And uh, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we living for those things that are going to last forever? Or are we just building things that are going to be very quickly destroyed and we have no eternal reward Uh, in the few moments I have this morning I wanted to share uh, well this is kind of a a testimony uh, maybe a confession a little bit if I were doing it all over again a lot of these things we endeavor to do that I'm sharing this morning but if I were doing it all over again This is what I would do in my life. Number one, I would make the commitment that as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I do not regret that commitment at our wedding. And if I was doing it again, I would do that again. Meaning, whatever his entire word tells us to do, we will obey. That would mean I I need to get to know God, his word, and his strength. So important. If I were doing it again, I would read and teach the the Bible to my family as it is taught in my church. I would worship at home, and I would worship in church with my family. I would serve the church with my family. I would be personally discipled and accountable to God and someone for my family. Uh, we realize that as our spouses, uh, as we live together, we become accountable to each other. But I think it's, it's a good idea to become accountable to somebody like a, a leader, a pastor in our lives, and say, you know, once a year, I would like to, I'd like to talk to you about the deeper things of, of my life and my family. And so if I was doing it again, I would, I would do that. If I, would do it, if I were doing it again, I would seek to grow with my wife and family to be Spirit-filled, Spirit-led, walking in the strength of the Holy Spirit every hour of every day. This is Pentecost Sunday. I think this one really fits. If I were doing it again, you know, sometimes we, we lose our consciousness of the Spirit and we, we get walking in the flesh and we, we walk as mere men through life. When God has such a great plan that we can have real communion with the Holy Spirit and we can be Spirit-filled, we can be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit and we can be led by the Holy Spirit in all of our family decisions and our financial decisions and uh, the decisions that we must make in life that are very important. And if we can be spirit led and walking in the strength of the Holy Spirit, right there, if I said nothing else this morning, I'll tell you, I'm leaving you one of the greatest keys for a happy, healthy family and marriage. Right there. we could just learn how. And God is, I believe, teaching us these days. He's teaching you how to walk in the Spirit. This church is about walking in the Spirit. This church is about being filled with the Holy Spirit. This church is about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I believe you. You're in a great place. And so if I look back on the years of my life, if I were doing it again, I think this would be one of the most important things that I would do in my life. It solves most problems, you know, if we can just get spirit-filled. I've been around a lot of lot of meetings over the years. When you're, you're, you're a pastor, you're a leader, uh, you know, you have church meetings, you have board meetings, you have elder meetings, you have, you know, Eldorado meetings, you got <laughs> all kinds of meetings. And uh, and uh, many times, you know, you get into discussions and I think, oh, God, Something's happened here. This is just not right because the Holy Spirit's not present at all in what we're doing. You know, it's 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 people's opinions and people's opinions are okay, but you know what's God's opinion? Uh, uh, again, I've sat on national councils, and I think even if government, if government were would would operate in a way that they would say, we need to hear from God. And, you know, in the early foundation years of uh, the establishment of Canada, a lot of our leaders heard from God and established foundation stones for our nation. And today our nation is blessed because of those things. They heard from God. They just didn't hear somebody's opinion. So many things can be solved. A lot of the conflict, the arguing, the overspending... The abuse would all vanish if we would be spirit-filled, spirit-led, walking in the strength of the Holy Spirit. There would be absolutely no abuse. There would be no abuse of language. There would not not be any arguments taking place. And uh, both the men and the women would watch how they use that credit card because they're led by the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Amen. Ah, you're a cooperative munch. Turn to somebody and say, we are a cooperative (laughs) munch. Now, if I were doing it again, I would work to succeed not just in my career, but as a husband, as a father, a friend, and also, of course, in the workplace. You know, there's there's quite a statement made in the Song of Solomon 1.6. They said, they made me keeper of the vineyard, but my own vineyard have I not kept. You know, there's the vineyard of our heart. Sometimes we fail to look after what's going on in our own hearts. Or there's the vineyard of our family and we're, you know, we're out there doing business and influencing and all this, all this, and uh, that was a big challenge in, in my life. I'm, I'm thankful. I'm kind of making a confession here this morning. I was a very busy person all of my life and traveling and going places and many times away from the family. My wife stood by the family and uh but there were times when i thought wow i really i really pushed it being away so much if if i if i were doing it again i would work to have god my wife and my family as my best friends along with many others who god allows in my life you know jesus uh, after he'd walked with his disciples for for many years He turned to them. He says, I do not call you servants, but I call you friends. And the goal of parents should be that in the end, they'll be the best of friends with their family, friends. If I were doing it again, I would get all the help I could from God and others to build a successful family that would last for generations to come. I would, uh, I would read good books, I'd get resources, I'd have people counsel me, uh, and I would get experts on different areas who, who really know how to make it happen and have been successful to speak into my life. If I were doing it again, I would get God's vision and plan for each child and do my best to develop that by all means, the church and other people. One of the things my wife and I did is we sought the Lord uh, to know what God wanted for our children, and uh, over time, God showed me with each of our children what their gifting was and how I should help and work to develop that. Uh, I believe as we seek God, we can get insight. Some people would say, well, that's sort of a prophetic insight. And you know what? There were actually, in some instances, there were, there were leaders, Christian leaders that came that had impressions. And they said, you know, don't overlook your, you know, your child in this area because I really believe that God has something for them to do in such and such in their life. And, you know, we followed those prompts and cooperated with what the Holy Spirit was saying and and led them into what God had planned for their life. Uh, it's beautiful to see children come to the point where they, they need to make their own decision for to follow Jesus Christ. And uh, then they grow beyond that in their life as we nurture them and help them. And the church helps in that. Different individuals help in that. And we work with that to, to see God bring them to where God would have them to be in their lives. I just give the, give you the example of our own son when he was young. I always said he, you know, he couldn't carry a a tune in a basket. You know, he just was not he was not into singing. He was not into music or anything like that. But I had this vision that God gave me that he would be a very composed. Leader and strong in singing and as a musician and in worship. Would you know, after he was genuinely converted to the Lord as a young boy, he was about 12 years old, where he had a, an experience with God that was very deep. All of a sudden, his whole life changed and the emphasis of his life changed, and he began singing and he began to become a musician. And uh, he has been the worship leader in our church and he does it with strength and with excellence now for almost 20 years and uh that was the vision of god and we got behind it so we sent him to school for training we sent him to some of the some of the greatest worship leaders in canada that we knew of that he could learn and also in the united states and that helped him to develop his gift and his life if I were doing it again, I would take our children to the mission fields of the world to make them mission-minded. Uh, I'm so thrilled that, that our, uh, our children are, taking, are sending or allowing their kids to go to mission fields. One of our young uh, grandsons, who's now in university, was on the mission field for, for a season, and it uh, radically changed his life. He's, a, he's, he's going to university now, but after he graduated, he went to one of the mission fields of the world, and he saw the deep needs in the, in the lives of people. He saw the poverty. He saw another side of the world, and it changed his life. And I believe that we need to expose our children. We need to spend money on that kind of thing and take our children or send them or give them opportunities like that. If I were doing it again, I would have sacred set times with my wife and family that would seldom be altered. And that we did in our lives. We had Friday night was a sacred time. Nobody else was in our family. It was our family and us. And we did fun things and just hung out as a family. And those are memories that our kids remember, and we, we will remember forever. And that's how we got to know our children well. If I were doing it again, I would train people to pastor their families. That's as a pastor. And I would encourage that. Dad, you're the pastor of your family. Mom, you with your, with your husband are pastors to that family. I think that's where great pastoring can happen. If I were doing it again, I would place a strong emphasis on families, helping families, including single-parent families. I believe we should be helpers of one another. If I were doing it again, I would make strategic plans for marriage, family, and home, and I'd like the handout to be given at this time. Whoever is doing that, you can do a little handout that I have prepared. Uh, Yeah, you can just hand it out So let me say this while this is being had. I would make strategic plans for marriage, family, and home and be accountable to someone to achieve those plans just like we do in business and in church planning. You know, some families never plan. They never sit down seriously and look at where they're going or how they can improve areas of their relationship. And so I want to encourage you today... Yeah, the, this is also for singles. The uh, number of questions b- are, are appropriate for singles. There's a few questions in that that uh, if you're single, you just uh, don't answer those. And there's a way of, of grading yourself. But the important thing in this questionnaire is that you write an action plan for each area. We call, we call this an introspection time. So, so uh, you know, you're going to be grading your relationship with God. And, and you'll have an action plan for how, how you will improve that. Maybe, maybe you're not reading the Bible regularly or not praying regularly uh, or your attitude in general. Uh, your financial life, well, you should fill in a budget there. Uh, and uh, maybe you've never done that. You might say, well, I'm going to have to do that. A general stewardship and care of things that God has given, your social life. There's just a number of things that you're going to be grading, but the important thing, say with me the important thing. The important thing is that you have an action plan for improving every one of those areas. If you're going to r- rank yourself as, as excellent, that's number one, uh, or maybe it's poor, well, uh, then you really have to deal with it. Uh, you might have to come and see Pastor Char to really get down to business. <laughs> she'll she'll get you there. And so uh, can I can I have a commitment from you today that you will spend uh, at least 20 minutes and looking at this and grading yourself? Can you wave this? Are you serious? Yeah, good. If you're serious enough, now God's seen that commitment. <laughs> Pastor JB looked around and he saw also. And... Uh, and uh, this, this is a kind of a fun thing, but do it with your spouse. If you're married as a single person, you do it ob- obviously w- with yourself. Or you could do it with a friend if you want to be accountable to a friend. And it's about improving our lives. It's about making our lives, uh, you know, the best they can be. And, uh, and so uh, that's something, if I was doing it in my life again, and my wife and I used to do this with all of our leaders, at least once a year we would do this kind of introspection time and uh, then we would do it individually, and, um, and it yielded some things. We set some goals, some plans, some things we would have never done in life were done because we took the time to do this. We traveled to certain parts of the world because we made an action plan. We said, oh, we're going to do this, and uh, you do it, and wow, life becomes not just something you just kind of float through, but you actually have a plan. Now, if I were doing it all over again, I would come to terms with the fact that there's real warfare around all of this and would grow stronger and stronger in the Lord. It's interesting to me that in the context of family, Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 6, first part of the chapter, the next thing that comes is Paul's teaching on warfare. And I believe that families face warfare. Therefore, Paul gave the teaching of warfare after he taught on the family. Knowing that we will face battles, and our battle is not with flesh and blood. Our battle is not with our wife or our husband or with our teenage, uh, you know, kid in the family. The battle is really a demonic thing in many instances that rises up to destroy our relationships, and we have to learn to be strong in the Lord and to take on the whole armor of God and there's a, you'll you'll face battles for your children which can only be won on your knees or only be won as you engage in spiritual warfare i might just say that every one of our children faced a time in their life that was very very critical and we had to battle that through with prayer and we saw god help us win the war and the battle for their souls. So if I were doing it again, I would, I would engage in this kind of warfare. If I were doing it again, I would be careful who, uh, who I have influenced my life and our family and be strong to come, overcome evil with good. If I were doing it again, I would, make, I would work hard to make Jesus the center and Lord of everything. Well, that's kind of a shotgun blast this morning, and Pastor JB will turn it back to you here, and we're going to do something a little different this morning. God bless you.
1: Fantastic. Can we give Pastor Tim a big hand right now together? (laughs) Thanks so much, Pastor Tim. A lot of good stuff in there. Uh, in that message, and right now we're going to follow it up with something that uh, we don't do here often at Thrive, especially at a service. We're going to try it today. We're going to do a happy, healthy home question and answer time. Many of you guys have put in questions to us about having a happy, healthy home, and we want to be able to address that in a different kind of way today by having uh, four people on the stage. Uh, we're going to be asking Pastor Tim, uh, his lovely wife Sandra, Pastor Charlene, myself to be on the stage. And we're going to be tackling some of these questions that you guys have asked about all sorts of different topics. We had so many different questions come in, stuff about marriage, stuff about parenting, stuff about conflict resolution, stuff about dating, uh, you know, all sorts of different questions. And we're going to tackle as many of them as we can, uh, but for the time being, can we just let's welcome. welcome. Welcome our our guests up on the stage right now. Can we welcome Pastor Tim, Sandra, Pastor Charlene as well? Let's give them a big hand, a big shout together right now. Can we do that right now? All right. Okay, we've got to move fast, guys. Let's move fast, like 10 times faster than that. Thank you. Okay. Great. Thanks so much. All right. Please have a seat. I'm going to have Pastor Tim on this side of the far end. I'll be on the middle and the love lives will be in the middle right there. Okay, praise God. One more time for uh, all of our guests this morning. Can we do that right now? Praise God. Okay, you got to watch out for that swivel chair. It's, uh, it's a little bit spinny, uh, and uh, there we go, there we go. But this is kind of different, eh? Kind of different. We haven't done this in a while, uh, and I almost feel like we each need to have our own favorite drink in our hand right now. You know, <laughs> Pastor Tim, give him a caramel macchiato, maybe. Uh, Pastor, and Sandra, we can give you, a, I know, like an Earl Grey tea. And then Charlene, whatever it is, it has to be organic, right? And it uh, uh, has to be, you know, non-GMO something. And I'll, I'll, and I'll have my chocolate bubble tea with pearls. Uh, that would be really good. Um, but uh, we're, we're glad to have uh, you guys here. Thank you so much for making time to be here this morning. It's awesome to have, uh, you know, what I consider to be very much experts on family and having a happy, healthy home here with us this morning. If you believe that, say Amen. Amen. Uh, And uh, you know, we covered a lot of things in the series. We've covered things such as uh, you know how to fight well between two members of the family. How do you fight in a in a healthy way? We've talked about how happy families and unhappy families. uh, The difference is not that unhappy families always fight, happy families never fight. All families fight, but we just fight differently. Happy, healthy families learn to fight well. We've talked about that. We talked about uh, things like the role of the man and the woman, the husband and the wife in the home. And there's bound to be some questions that come up from that. And we thought we'd deal with that here in this kind of setting where we just basically have a conversation. We're just basically uh, having a, a casual conversation in front of uh, all of our friends here at Thrive. Uh, and uh, we're going to uh, just kind of ta- tackle different topics and hopefully believing that God's going to, by his Holy Spirit, going to lead this conversation. Uh, and so we, I thought I'd start with one right now. Uh, it's not one of the ones that was asked, but I just thought I'd ask it right now, which is that, you know, Pastor Tim and Sandra, you guys have been married now for over 40 years, right? Is, that's, how many years has it been now? Is it been? Gonna be 49 this September. 49 Believe years. Believe it or not. 49. Can we give, give a big hand for that? That's amazing. 49 years. Wow. Wow. That. We were five and six when we got married. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. And uh, you guys, 49 years. You guys have uh, three kids. Uh, is it? And uh, we and do. yeah. And then you have got do. many, 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 many grandchildren as well. Um, and I guess my question was this: Is Pastor Tim had an opportunity to, to share what he would do differently looking back? I think we'd all love to hear from Sandra as well. You know, when you look back at the past 49 years of being uh, married to Pastor Tim, raising a family, is there anything that you can think of that you would do differently uh, looking back?
2: Well, I can only mention one thing because of time. And the first thing that came to me as I was looking at that title, happy, but it said "Happy," healthy home, whatever the title was, I was reminded of the one time when one of our daughters said to me as we were around the home, she said, mom, you don't have a happy face. (laughs) <laughs> oh, my face isn't happy. I think at times I was way too consumed with the things of of looking after our children and all that goes without looking after the home and we're involved in the church that I actually didn't enjoy the ages and stages of our children as they were growing up. Sometimes you almost secretly wish that they were all grown up and gone. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. I think yeah. if I was doing it again, I would enjoy right from concealing from them before the conception until they were born and grown up and uh, out of the home. I would enjoy them a lot more and at every age and stage because sometimes we can just be hoping that they grow up quick and that's, that does happen. They grow up. Way too quick.
1: Wow, that's a great answer. Great, great reminder for all of us who are parents is to learn to enjoy every moment uh, as opposed to just kind of wishing it was all gone. Uh, no, that's, that's really good. Turn, your, turn to your neighbors, give them a high five, and say, Enjoy your family. Enjoy, enjoy your family. Don't just tolerate them. Don't just, uh, you know, don't, don't just, you know, just wish they were different, but uh, enjoy them as best you can. If you believe that, say, Amen. 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 I'm going to let Pastor Shari take the next question.
3: Um, Yeah, I mean, we received um, a lot of different questions, and they ranged from, you know, how to be a single girl, to how to be a good wife, husband, to what do I do with parenting. And so we're going to try to tackle as many as we can, um, but um, I'm going to give uh, a question, actually, starting with Pastor Tim. And so one of the questions that we received went like this. It says... In popular modern-day views, people like to think man and woman should be viewed equally and thus be free to have roles in the family that is no longer bound by gender. For example, last week's sermon depicts the man to be the protector, the provider, and the priest of the family. Could the roles be swapped if agreed upon? And why can't the woman also be the provider, the protector, or the priest? Good question. So Pastor Tim, what do you think about
0: that? I think God has a standard order. The Bible is very, very clear that uh, man was created first and then the woman. And God had an order in what he did. Now, having said that, so therefore, that would line up with what Pastor J.B. preached. However, I do believe that there are exceptions to, to rules in the Bible and, um, you know, for instance, in the New Testament, the Bible talks about Priscilla and Aquila. Mm-hmm. Interesting, in that order. And it's, it would seem that she was the stronger ministry leader in that situation. And, you know, when you come into ministry, uh, there I've seen great lady leaders. Uh, and, uh, and that's not maybe what would be the norm, but that's what God's chosen to do and use. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, And I think in similar ways in the family, there can be just by virtue of giftings and callings and God's specific plan for, you know, individuals, that there can be different things happening. So uh, that's how I would put it. Uh, While I do believe it's fairly standard that what was preached is the way it should be, Mm -hmm. um, we do need leadership. And by the way, you, you know, I still believe that that uh, when it comes to headship that uh, the husband should be honoured as the head of the home. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really well said. I mean, I think... Um, you know, Even, for example, when Pastor JB was talking about uh, the role of a provider, um, I believe there's so many different ways that a husband could provide that it's not necessarily that the husband has to be um, the financial provider of the home. Um, it's not necessarily that he has to be or do a certain thing in order to fulfill those roles, but I think, like Pastor Tim said, um, sometimes it can... Um, it can vary from family to family. And I'm not sure if Pastor JB has anything more to add to
1: that. Well, let me ask you guys a question. Let's, re- let's, let's see if we can remember what those roles for the man and the woman, the husband and wife are that we've been talking about. So the, the, we said that there were five roles for the man, and I'll let Pastor Sharon in a minute and say what the five roles of the, of the woman are in the, in the home. But the five roles of the man we've talked about are a king. Everyone say a king. king. A protector. Everyone say a protector. a protector. A priest. Everyone say A priest. A uh, what what was the fourth one? Oh yeah, a provider. Everyone say provider. provider. And last one is a gentleman. Everyone say a gentleman. gentleman. All right, and then uh, for Pastor Shar.
3: Uh, for the roles of the wife, there is the queen, queen. and um, there is also the companion. Yeah, companion. The the encourager. Encourager. Um, the uh. Trophy. Oh, the trophy of course. <laughs> the trophy and the fighter.
1: Fighter. Yeah, and you got to keep this in mind is that. Uh, when we are teaching and communicating on these roles, uh, you want to understand that where these roles come from. These these roles, uh, when when I'm talking about the five roles of the man, I'm talking from Ephesians five, where Jesus is is said, you know, where, where Paul's talking, saying that the that the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. And so these five roles all flow from the idea of being the head. Right, uh, now does that mean that there are not roles that the, the wife plays that are in some ways overlapping with the role of the husband? Like for example, you know, you'll notice that some of these roles are, are kind of similar. You know, on on one hand you have the the husband as a priest. He is as the spiritual leader of the family. But at the same time you have the wife who is a fighter, who is you know praying, interceding for her family. Uh, th- there there's going to be some overlap there. But at the end of the day, uh, you know we wouldn't go to the point of saying, okay, well we can you know we can just do whatever we want. So you be the head wife and you know I husband. I'll just, I'll just follow you. Uh, that would be uh, you know leaving uh, I think God's original design for marriage in a way that wouldn't be healthy. Uh, And so, of course, the way we express it, just like Pastor Tim was saying, could be different based on uh, our different callings, our different giftings, the way that God has wired us. But, uh, you know, I think the fact is that God made us to have specific roles based on the specific heartbeat and design he's given to both men and to women.
3: Yeah, Yeah, that's really well said, definitely.
1: Yeah, maybe Um, I'll just add one more thing on that is that, you know, in in, in our day and age, the, the, the mantra... The, the big message that you know the the media the culture around us the society around us will want to tell you is you can be anything you want to be you know and that goes for anything what it doesn't just include your career it doesn't just include uh, you know uh, you know your 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 aspirations uh, for your profession but including stuff like oh you can you know you can be whatever gender you want to be you can take on whatever role you want you know and and all that stuff but you gotta you gotta you gotta say this here 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 uh, you know at thrive you gotta understand that. It is not that you can be anything you want to be, because you can't. The fact is you can't. No matter how hard you try. For example, I will never be an NBA basketball star, no matter how much I want to be, all right? I, I, I won't be. I, I'm just not designed that way. I can try to work really hard, but just God didn't design me that way. You can't be anything you want to be, but you can be everything God made you to be. Right. Amen. Amen. And so that's why it's really important that when, to understand what those roles are that, the God, that God has given to you in your home so that you can be everything that God made it to be. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Um, thank you, Pastor Tim. Pa- thank you, Pastor JB. Pastor JB, I don't know if you have um, the next question.
1: So, yeah, I, I guess the, the other question flowing out of that is, is it against the Bible's teaching if a wife is the primary financial provider while the husband takes care of the house chores and the children? Uh, Sandra, what, what, what do you think of that one?
2: Wow, why do I have to start on that <laughs> one? <laughs> I think there's many different situations, many different uh, home setups, families, individuals that at times the wife does have perhaps the, the education and the means that she can be the main provider of the home. And the husband, and I I guess the one question had the little key word in there is in agreement. I think as husbands and wives, you have to be in agreement for this maybe reverse role. And the husband is very inclined to take care of the children and be at home and even cook and clean and all that's involved with that. And so I think every... Family, every home situation is different and it has to be just worked through. But the key thing is to be in agreement to this because it could cause uh, strife and it could cause, um, you know, the husband to think that I'm not taking my place. But if the husband and wife are in agreement, he's doing what uh, he's supposed to be doing and the wife can be uh, doing what she's doing.
0: I'm in agreement with my wife going out and making a million and a half dollars in the next six months. I'm sure you yeah, are. I'm in agreement.
3: <laughs> yeah, and actually, I think um, one of the most important things, which Pastor Tim alluded to earlier, is about respect. I think, um, you know, even if the wife is the one who is going out and providing for the, the main sort of financial needs of the home, I think at the end of the day, it's... Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where the husband is still the head of the household. It doesn't matter what the wife is earning or what the wife is doing, but the husband is still the head of the household, according to the Bible. And so it's really important that, um, you know, even if there is an agreement, I think it's so important that the, the husband is still respected as the spiritual leader of the home, uh, despite how much money, a per- like, the wife or the husband is making in the home.
1: Amen. Point. Good point. (laughs) (laughs) Heard a lot of guys say that right now. All right. Praise God. Praise God. Amen to that as well. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, next question from Pastor Um.
3: Next question. Okay. Next question is actually um, regarding arguing. And this question says, what is the best way to diffuse your parents' arguments at the dinner table? Um, Interesting question. I think... uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask, um, I'm gonna ask Sandra
2: <laughs> to take the lead on this one. Yeah, um, I guess it would depend if this is a child wanting, or a young person wanting to know from parents, or if it's a grown family and the parents are, you know, you're living together as a married couple with children and then your parents, I, you know, it's a hard question to answer. but. I guess for personally I've always looked at at mealtime as it should be it should be one of the happiest best communicating time in the family and how to stop that you know stop negative communication I don't know maybe somebody else can help me I'm just going to say that I've always strived for that in our family and if some conversation would come up that I just didn't want to talk about at the table because it would make me lose my appetite. Probably, I just let that be known. That can we leave this to, this topic for another time, because uh, yeah, mealtime should be a pos- very positive, communicating time and a joyful time as a family.
3: Yeah, Pastor like Pastor Sandra, that's an excellent reminder. I know um, for JB and myself, you know, we really try our best to um, not argue in front of our son. And the reason for that is because as a child growing up, um, you know, I sometimes would get really scared when my parents are arguing. And I wouldn't even, like, I don't even need to know what they're arguing about, but just the atmosphere in the home, where the fact that my parents are not getting along, like, that in itself, I think, um, caused, would cause a lot of fear. In me, especially as a young child, and even to this day, like um, you know, I'm I'm married, I have my own family, and um, and when I see my parents argue and fight, like I can't help but feel like I'm a little bit worried. Um, and so I think for parents in this place, um, you know, really try your best. Um, sort of as Pastor Sandra has said, you know, if it's going to be if it's going to be turning into a very heated argument, then maybe at that time just say, hey, let's maybe take this off the table later, right? Let's, let's talk about this later. Um, you know, there have been times when Pastor JV and I have not maybe succeeded, and sometimes we let a little discussion turn into something a little bit more heated, and I have actually witnessed my son, who's only five, like just sit there in front of us, and then he's kind of like, I'm not really sure what to think right now, and then the next thing you know, he's got like a tear falling down his face, and um, and that I think really alerted us to just how much fear it causes in him. And later on, you know, we would communicate with him and say like, "Bradley, were you were you scared? Like, w- were, are you okay?" And uh, and he actually would not be able to tell us like anything about what we were talking about like, he's not going to be like oh mommy i, I you know I, I, I think you were right or daddy was right <laughs> like he wouldn't be able to say that but then he w- but for him it was just i just want my mommy and daddy to get along right yeah. and so um and so for parents in this place it really will benefit your homes a lot um, when you don't argue so much in front of your kids um, that said, you know, I think um, there have been times when Pastor JB and I feel like we do need to talk things out. It's it's not healthy for us to not talk certain things out. Um, it's very much about how we talk things out. But um, but you know, there have been times when you just kind of let, need to let your parents. Talk things out at yeah. their own pace, yeah. um, in their own time, and uh, and hopefully in a way that will not inflict fear <laughs> in the rest of the home. Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I just maybe that. Just to add to that, I think a lot of it depends on how you're talking to one another as parents, and I think it's I think it's in fact in some ways healthy for the, the, the child to, to see you guys talking, not necessarily agreeing, but doing so in a way that is respecting one another, showing love to one another, being patient with one another, because that's actually modeling good communication. Right? But if it becomes something where it becomes really, really heated. Uh, that's where, uh, I think, like Pastor Shar said, it, it's, it's something you want to consider taking offline. If it's something where you guys are, uh, you know, in a home where the parents are constantly at the dinner table fighting and it's becoming very unhealthy, then that's where, you know, it's, it's probably a good idea for the parents to say, okay, you know, we, we just need to really kind of relook at how we communicate and possibly take some of these things offline so we can actually enjoy a meal together. As a family yeah yeah
3: excellent i mean um so i was telling you about how you know bradley gets really scared sometimes when things seem to be a little bit over his his tolerance um and there have been times when you know pastor Jamie and i really do try to talk things out in a normal manner like we're just kind of having a communication and talking things out and bradley would, bradley would just you know he like you can tell there's a difference between fear and the difference between right. like him not fearing like he knows that we're just talking things right. out right. like in a healthy home and so in those times he'll be like mommy and daddy can you guys stop talking (laughs) right like and and that like is okay like that I think is is healthy to have in a home because a child needs to understand that sometimes you just have to talk things out but um when it inflicts fear that's where I think as parents we really need to start you know thinking should we just take this offline um
1: very good yeah Maybe I'll take the next one. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. So um, this one I found is really interesting, and I think it's uh, in fact very relevant for a lot of people who live in our city. A lot of people who live in Vancouver, which is where you're in a family where you're not all in the same city. Maybe you're on your own uh, here with maybe your siblings, and your parents are overseas. Uh, so one person, or actually uh, like a number of people, uh, wrote the, uh, something along this the lines of this question, which is, you know, what what is how can you have a happy, healthy family with Family who are overseas. When my mom or dad is overseas, like how, how can we be a more intimate or happy, healthy family? We we heard that question a few times, and I think a, a great person to ask the, to answer that question is Pastor Charlene. Uh, I mean, Pastor, you okay. we, we we both have experienced that. I think you more than I have about having family overseas. Uh, how how would you give any encouragement or advice on how to have a happy, healthy family when they're overseas somewhere else?
3: Um, good question. I mean, I, I've i been living away from home since I was 18 when I moved away from university. And since that point, like, I just haven't really lived in the same home with my parents for, like, an extended period of time. And um, and I wish I could tell you that I, I've always done a very good job. I've actually, like, I haven't. I've actually, I was horrible, especially when I was in my, in my university years. Like, I would call home, like, once in a blue moon. And uh, usually in those times when, I need something, or, you know, or if, or if it's like a birthday, um, or, or something like that. And and when I really, I think, understood how to do this, it was when my brother passed away. So when my brother passed away, pa- uh, Pastor Jamie and I were in Vancouver, and my parents were in Taiwan. And um, we spent, like, about a week with them, you know, just, like, w- for the funeral and everything like that. And after that, I we returned to Vancouver while my parents stayed there for, like, another two and a half months to take care of some stuff. And... At, at that point, like, that was when I started really knowing how to love my family and how to love my parents long distance. Um, you know, I was just worried. Like, I think deep down, I was just really worried about how my parents are doing. And so I call them every single day. And um, it was awkward at first because I've never done that before. But um, I called my parents every single day. And every single day, I just say, you know, Mommy, like, Mom, Dad, like, how are you guys doing? And, uh, and then sometimes we would pray together, and sometimes it's just about listening to my, my parents talk, um, you know, sharing their grief. And, um, and then one thing that I learned was I always, at the end of every conversation, I would say, Mom, Dad, I love you, right? And that was something that we didn't do before, right. um, something that... Um, in in fact like even when we see each other face to face it was just not something that in my family growing up like we do we we know that we we love each other a lot but we just never said it and so um so from that point like I started contacting my parents every single day um it lasted probably about three four months I mean slowly it kind of tapered off it wasn't every single day it was probably every couple days nowadays like my mom Praise God! My mom actually has, you know, gotten used to lying. Like <laughs> she can actually like text me, <laughs> which had never happened before. And so now my mom and I keep in, keep in touch over line, like every day. And one thing that um, that I've what that I've learned is that parents love it. Like parents love it when we just kind of reach out and say, "How are you?" You don't even have to say anything. You can just call them and just and and just like, and they will feel like they are important enough to you that you would right. make that yeah. phone call. And uh, it could be something even as simple. Sometimes I don't have time or I don't really have much to say, so I'm just sending a picture. Like, I send a picture of Bradley or I send a family photo. And um, and my mom loves it. Like, my, my parents, they both just really love it because they feel like they're being thought about. Um, and so... If I could give you a tip, I'd say just you know just be brave, be bold in loving in your, your family members and uh, right. send a picture, send a text, send a hello, send a joke, like send anything. And, um, and really, I mean, they will feel loved. And don't be shy to say, I love you, because it really changes, I think,
1: the, the relationship in the home. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. Maybe I'll ask one more question for Pastor Tim. Pastor Tim, uh, in, your, in your message this morning, you said that if you could do everything again, one of the things that you would do is you would teach and worship at home the way we do at church. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask this question because I think maybe some people might be thinking, well, okay, I don't have a worship band at the church, or at my home. Uh, you know, I don't have, uh, you know, I, don't, I didn't go to Bible school. Like, how, how do I, uh, as a parent, as a dad, or as a mom, how do I lead my family to worship at home the way that we do at church? How do I teach the Word of God? To my family at home, the way that we do at church. Could, could you explain that a little bit?
0: Um, you know, we have so much available to us these days. Uh, of course, in in our family, I was somewhat of a musician, and so we could do something like that in the family. We could sing with the family, could worship with the family. These days, you can do it online. I mean, small churches going. I mean, they bring in Hillsong at high cost, you know. <laughs> and, and so there's many creative ways you can do kids stuff, you know, there's lots of kids stuff online, you can include that in your worship. Uh, one, uh, a, a great pa- pastor friend of mine was, uh, <clears throat> he was a strong believer that his job as a pastor was to train dads and moms to lead their families in worship and, and do church at home, as a matter of fact, he was so strong at that one point in ministry, he said, we're not having kids ministry. I'm putting the responsibility on the parents. I thought, wow, that was really extreme, you know. Well, yeah. And that didn't last forever, by the way. Okay. <laughs> but but uh, um, I I think there are ways, and I think even as pastors, we can help people to format things and and do this kind of thing uh, in, in the setting of the home. Yeah. And I, I, I think that this relates to a question that was before as well. Um, I think that we can build an atmosphere in the home that is like heaven. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I had one of the greatest compliments in in our our lives that I ever received was a, a very strong leader in the kingdom of God came to our home and he sat down on the couch and he said, you know, the kingdom of God is here. And, uh, you know, I thought, wow, this is, this, is, this is amazing because my wife kept the home so well. There was order. Our children were respectful. There was peace in the home. And, uh, and I think the home should be almost like, in a way, while well, it has different components to it. Some of the sense of the home should be like coming into a great church service. The presence of God should be in the home. Worship should be in the home. Good music playing in the home, you know, uh, off the internet or wherever. And, um, and so I, I think uh, we can culture this kind of thing in our, in our homes and uh, obey the biblical mandates to, you know, even with our speech, the Bible says our speech should always be with grace, seasoned right. with salt. Yeah. We do all things to edify and to build up. Now, if we have to sort something out if it's a family issue, we need to sit down, talk. Now, what has God got to say about this? Right. And and uh, then pray and seek God for an answer. Right. And uh, or if you really got to duke things out, go into the back room and say <laughs> we're going to really hit this and 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 get through it. But let's always remember how we speak is important. Mm-hmm. You know, right. we should be gracious in our speech to our spouses, yeah. to our children. And so on. And, and make sure what we're enacting is always the kingdom of God. And, of course, the kingdom of God is the Holy Spirit yeah. at work. Like. Yeah. And so, Pentecost Sunday, let's be full of the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God lead us in everything we say and do, and we'll have happy, healthy homes.
1: Yeah. That's, no, that's a great point. Um, if you believe that, say amen. amen. Really great point. And I think Pastor Tim touched on something about modeling For your kids, what it means to follow Jesus. And, uh, you know, I I think one of the best ways you can teach the word of god at home the way we do at church is to just apply the stuff that we talk about every week and on sundays that so we we want every single sunday to be a place where people can come in and feel like i'm connecting uh, like god's word is connecting with my life and i can apply it today if you go home and you start like we talked about a few weeks ago start expressing your thanks and appreciation more often the the, the kids are going to see that and they're, they're, they're and they're going to feel like you know church and following Jesus is not just something we do on Sunday mornings, but this is, this is a lifestyle that we lead. It's not it's not eat, it's not just those you know fifteen minutes that you spend reading a devotional book together, but even more it's it's just how you relate to your kids. Uh, even more, that's so much more important. That said, I believe it's important to have a time where you guys, as a family, spend time together, whether it's worshiping or reading the Word of God. Like I said a few weeks ago, one of the things that we do with Bradley is before we eat breakfast, while you know we're preparing breakfast at the same time, we have this little booklet. This uh, this little uh, Game booklet that's for kids for Bradley. And we'll just every day, it's a way for him to do two things. One is it's for him to practice reading because he's learning to read, but it also has scripture in there, a story in there, some questions he can answer. And so I find that it's, it's, it, it develops him not just spiritually, but also academically as well. And it's so simple. T- to lead him through that, you just need a grade two education. You just need to be one or two years older than him, basically, to lead him through that. And, and, and he will learn and grow from that. In fact, uh, on my birthday a couple weeks ago, uh, we had a chance to, we had a really cool celebration. Char, Char, uh set us up in a hotel. Uh, that night we had a free a free night and we went uh, downtown and stayed at a hotel almost like a tourist in Vancouver uh, and uh, and then the next morning we we brought our game time booklet with us for Bradley and it was a special day because it was the first it was the first time that he'd finished an entire game booklet uh, by himself and we took a picture of it it was a it was a really cool it's such a, it's one of the, it's one of the cutest pictures we have of him, I wish I uh, put it up on the screen but it's one of those things where just really found that um, you know it's it's when you spend a little bit of time every day just doesn't have to be long but you know, five ten Minutes every day, you we're know, reading the Word of God together, praying together. Uh, it makes a huge difference and goes a long way. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask Pastor Shar to, to ask one more question, and then maybe we'll have one last question after that, and uh, we're going to close up today. Has this been helpful for you guys in this place? Yeah. Kind of different, but hopefully something that God is using to speak to you in a different way this morning. Uh, why don't you take it away, Pastor? Okay. Char?
3: So. Um I'm gonna ask this question to Pastor Sandra because uh, I feel like this is a perfect question for her. The question says, any tips on how to become like the woman in Proverbs 31? And if there is any woman who is like a Proverbs 31 woman in action, I feel like it's Pastor Sandra. And so Pastor Sandra, I'd like you to tell us, how do you do it? Like how, for someone, if you were mentoring a younger girl and who wants to become like a Proverbs 31 woman, how, what should we do and what can we do?
2: Wow, that's a, that's a great uh, portion in scripture. And I guess, uh, before I say anything, um, I grew up with a mom who I uh, would say was a Proverbs 31 woman, without her even knowing it, or us kids even realizing it, while we were growing up, because we grew up in very, um, you know, we didn't have running water and all that sort of thing, and things were a little bit difficult on the farm back in Saskatchewan, as far as the modern conveniences. but Our mom didn't know any different and the amazing way that she kept our home and prepared the meals and uh, without running water and uh, electric stove or gas stove, just a wood stove, it was amazing because that's what she did and her heart was in it. And I guess one thing for me was I saw that in my mom and maybe it was something passed down, I don't know. but. To answer the question, if it's not something you're gifted with, uh, and you want to become the Proverbs 31 woman, where you will go out and buy a piece of land, and what else <laughs> does that what else does that portion of scripture say? I'd have to re-read it. But you look after your family and uh, make clothings of uh, you know all the all the wonderful things in that passage, which a lot of them I never did. But uh, I think it's something that we can, uh, in our own hearts, um, read and focus on the word and ask God for help to uh, help us to um, become more like the person and the woman in the Bible that we would like to be in providing for our husband and our home and our family. Uh, yeah,
3: that's so well said. Um, you know, I think uh, I think there were two things that really struck me about what you shared. I think one is watching your mom, watching your mom do it, and um, and learning along the way, like of you know this is how you can become more and more like a Proverbs thirty one woman. And for a lot of the young women um, here, and a lot of the older women here, like I think it's just it's it's. You know, having that role modeled in your life, and maybe even asking someone to mentor you in that area. Like, how you know how how can I become more like that person, or more more like the uh, Proverbs thirty one woman? I think happens through mentorship, happens through discipleship, um, and um, I think the other thing that Pastor Sandra touched on was that you know the Proverbs thirty one woman does a lot of stuff. I mean, she. She like buys land, she like grows a vineyard, <laughs> you know she sews like she does a lot of stuff and um and I think it's one thing to keep in mind that it's that you're not going to become a proverbs thirty one woman overnight um you know it's it's a it's an ongoing process, but at the same time, it's not just limited in one area it's actually like a very vast area of things that you need to become experts in, and so one tip that I have is You know, like do everything that you currently already do with excellence and give God honor and glory yeah. in that process. No. Because everything no. that you're doing, whether you're studying or you're, um, or you're working, like not even in the church, you're working like in in sort of the secular world, whatever it is that you are doing, I believe that God is actually shaping you in your very unique way to become that Proverbs 31 woman. And so I, I, you know, I think for me, it's about uh, giving your best, giving your all and giving honor through all that you do. And um, and there's um, there's a verse that actually comes to mind, which is from Psalm 13, and it says, you know, she is like a tree planted by streams of water. Uh, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaves, like, do not wither, and whatever she does prospers. And I think that, to me, like, whenever I think about the Proverbs 31 woman, I think about that verse. And the reason for that is because, you know, it's, if you want to become a woman of God, if you want to become a Proverbs 31 woman, you have to be planted in God's word. You have to be planted in God. Like, you will not be able to flourish and become that person unless your roots Are in God and so so important it's it's that is is simply you know building your relationship with God and uh, you know like keeping up with reading your Bible coming to church being in fellowship like I think all of those things will contribute to you becoming more and more Christ-like and becoming that Proverbs 31 woman
1: another piece of advice for ladies in this place who want to become a Proverbs 31 woman just stalk Charlene and Sandra you know for a week and you'll have a good idea of what a Proverbs 31 woman looks like. If you believe that, say amen. 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 You could be a fly on the wall in our home or in Pastor Tim and Sandra's home as well, and you'll see a Proverbs 31 woman in action. Amen. Praise God. Have you guys enjoyed this morning? Can we give God a big, big hand? And let's also thank uh, all of our guests this morning on the stage. Thanks so much, guys. We're going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to end off our service. Why don't you stand up, find a few neighbors around you, give them a high five, and say, God made you for a happy, healthy home. That was a lot of fun, a lot of fun, and you know there's a lot more questions that people asked, uh, and we're going to try to get to them in the next few weeks in different types of ways, maybe uh, you know in different ways, maybe similar ways to what you saw today. Uh, but uh, we believe that God is building something in this place here at Thrive. He's building happy, healthy families. He's building happy, healthy husbands. He's building happy, healthy wives. He's building happy, healthy parents. He's building happy, healthy kids. If you believe that, say Amen. And we believe that Thrive Church, because we have Jesus, we can be a happy, healthy home as well. And so right now, as the worship team lead us in a song, let's get ready to respond to God together right now.